Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 496, with Kevin Malone of Tusky's Restaurant Group. A lot of, um, you know, I believe that the role of management is to make um, employees successful, and you, you give them the tools, and um, so that's what we do. We emphasize, you know, what do you need here? What, what can we do to help you to be successful? Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable you can get a $50 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a k line of credit is subject to credit approval c terms and conditions all cabbage business loans are issued by celtic bank a utah chartered industrial bank member fdic what's sorcery sorcery is ap automation digital invoicing and time and money saved that's Sorcery. Sorcery allows you to streamline and digitize your entire accounts payable operation. Digital invoicing backed with human verification will save you countless hours of work and increase AP accuracy. Say goodbye to your file cabinets and enter the digital world. Go to getsorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com or call 1-866-830-0691. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you will receive 10% off your first three months with no setup fees. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Kevin Malone. My man, Kevin, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling unstoppable. (laughs) Yes. Uh, In 1972, after graduating high school, Kevin Malone attended bartending school and has been working in the industry ever since. And he went on to get experience working with uh, high caliber chefs in the French fine dining setting. With this experience, Malone opened Tuscarora Mill Restaurant in 1985. 33 years later, Malone serves as the president of Tusky's Restaurant Group, which consists of Tuscarora Mill, Magnolia at the Mill, uh, South Street Under, Berkby House, and two firework pizza locations. Six locations in total, yeah? Uh, Just scraping the surface, I can't wait to dive into your story to find out who you are and how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? Well, um, I think I got into business um, at the age of 18. I love people. I love working with people. I love the, the energy in restaurants. I love the, um, I love the day and the celebrating the getting through another shift and making people happy. I think I'm, I'm very big on uh, making sure everybody's happy and having a good time and, um, I've always thought um, that the restaurant business is really the entertainment industry, and that's what we try to do in all of our restaurants: is to um, have some, share something with people where they can um, learn things about things, new foods, new techniques, new wines, new beers, and it's just um, great to see those people um, respond to that and come back. So what I got from that was just, it's really as simple as making it happy, uh, creating incredible experiences for people in that constant, never ending learning and growing. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to hear how you've grown some of your people because doing my research, I've found that you've had people with you ever since the beginning, still with you today in uh, some people as long as 20 years. So I can only imagine what that continuous learning has looked like. But let's bring it back to where it all started for you. And I don't want to spend too much time in your early days just because I feel like the, the, the growth of your restaurant group, there's a lot of nuggets of knowledge in there. But where did it all start with you? When did you know you wanted to work in this industry? Uh, my first day bartending, I think, yeah. in 1982. In what was it like? Bring us to that moment. Yeah, it was great. It was, um, you know, a pleasing guest. Um, I, I, amateur mixologist for my parents' parties, and so then I brought that passion to the industry, and um, and then I landed a really good job at a very busy restaurant when I was young, um, 19, and it was a 1,200 seat restaurant, so I got um, a lot of exposure, a lot of um, a lot of hard work. 
and worked with um, a big corporation that really taught me a lot. So bring us to this, this moment. You said you knew on the first day. Um, when you went, can you reflect back to that moment, how you felt, what was going on, what made you fall in love with it in that moment? I think it's the energy and the uniqueness of it. There's never a dull moment. You're working with personalities. You're working not only personalities of guests, but also um, management and um, the staff that you work with. And um, and I think I've always tried to do my best to make the uh, the experience for the guests um, exceptional. All right. So um, you said you went on to work at a corporation after that. I'm curious, between opening uh, your first restaurant and getting into the industry, how many restaurants did you work at in that time? Uh, three. Three. How four, old were you when four, you opened? Four. Your- sorry, four. Uh, I was 32 when I opened um, Tusky's, my first restaurant. Okay. 32. Uh, Mill. So about uh, 12 years, give or take. Pardon me? About 12 years in the experience from when you yes, graduated yes. to you got 12 years. Any big mentors in this 12-year experience, experience range of people that really influenced you and helped mold you into the person you needed to be to open your first restaurant? It's funny you should ask that because I think some of the things that you learn as you go through um, multiple organizations is that sometimes you see the, the things that aren't the best ex- ex- examples and you say, boy, I don't want to do what this person does. But yeah. I did have a mentor, Jim Wordsworth, who's um, uh, very big in the Northern Virginia restaurant scene. And um, he was a great boss. I worked for him for seven years. And he was um, a terrific um, model for me. He was my mentor. That was, was Jim, you said? Jim Wordsworth. So yes. what was it about Mr. Wordsworth uh, specifically, the things that he did, the person he was, really reflecting back at the values, the, the, the kind of character this guy had? Get specific. Who was he that, that impressed you so much? First of all, he was very passionate about um, guests. He was actually a, a, a training. Um, he, his business was selling computers back in the days when they had to use cranes to lift them up into banks. Um, but he had um, a, a history with a restaurant and so he opened a restaurant and I went there fairly early and it developed and it grew and it, he opened another restaurant. And um, I think what he did was he trusted me, he trusted the staff and he empowered us. And I think I passed that on to my staff <clears throat> and just, you know, be yourself and do the best you can. Why, why is that so important? That sense of trust? Uh, what was it about this sense of trust? And, and I wouldn't mind getting into how he empowered you too, but real quick, I'm just going to do this because I want to make sure we're hearing you. Okay. Put that right in front of your, your face. <laughs> Sorry Thank to, you. To shove that sucker right in there. But you're, what you're saying is gold, and I don't want to miss it. So, uh, so again, the question was, what was it about um, this ability to to have him trust you? That how was that so significant? I think because that it it made you feel like you were um, running things, and so you didn't want to run things wrong. And it um, it, it was a good feeling to know that you made you know you make it through i think in the restaurant business it's one shift at a time one day at a time and because you're you know the last experience a guest have made me um you know it has to be good because um they forget the nine times they loved everything so we try not to have any failures and he taught me that and he taught me how important it was for guest satisfaction and he did trust me and um i had a great seven years with him how did he empower you? Give specific. Um, he would just tell you, he, he, no micromanagement there, and we don't believe in that here. It's um, you know, you know what the task is. You get provided with the tools, and then um, you just run with it. And um, I, I think he was. I, I know he's proud of me. He helped me get started on my own restaurant. Um, and what happens when you do micromanage people? Uh, I think you make them too uptight intense and then they can't um really react to situations as, as as well as they should and you know we have people here who um sense that there's something going wrong with a, a table or a guest or a party and our staff knows that they can do step in and do something um to make them happy because the most important thing yeah. is to have them walk out the door i think you hit it on the head when you said that when you micromanage you really make people feel tense and worried and uh, the emotion start to take over the head and they're not thinking about the job they're thinking about this person over my shoulder and the the anger that's well yeah. you know building up inside of them and they can't focus on the guests that's and, true and, it's and intimidating just, absolutely it's, yeah. yeah uh so i, I agree 100 percent. you also said that you learned a lot from people who you don't want to like you, you examples of who you don't want to be so without naming names no no i'm not going to do that give me some specific examples of things you saw people do back in the day that just did not sit right <clears throat> with you oh real quick example i worked for a gentleman um 
who was not a very good manager. Um, he, and he got in an argument because a customer complained. Is, anyway, the customer complained that there was not enough vodka in her Bloody Mary. So he went over and argued with her. And then he gave her more vodka for her Bloody Mary. And I told him afterwards. And the, shortly we parted ways after that. And um, I said, you know, you could have um, given the vodka and you would have lost the vodka. You would have um, not given it to her. And um, then you lose the customer. In this case, you, you lost gave both. her the vodka. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You lost both. Oh, man. That's a good point. Anything I, else that kind of reflects back to you? At the time, mm, no, I think that's nice. Well, that's a I good worked one. for a big corporation that was out of New England, huge restaurant, and they. Um, I remember when the owner of the restaurant was coming, they tell him a week before, and that's the only time they really cleaned the lobby when the owner was coming oh, to the yeah <laughs> the old so, man they called. Him. I don't think we need to uh, go any deeper there. We clearly know what's wrong. With yeah. That. Um, all right, so let's move forward. Uh, you're at this French restaurant. I feel like this is probably the time where you, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to make assumptions. Is this where you would say you grew the most as a professional before going on to open your own restaurant? I think I had the management skills back then, but I, I didn't. I, I, I was opened up to a whole new world of food. Mm-hmm. The people, the two of the, the chef and the sous chef were both unbelievably passionate about food. And um, I learned, I grew so much then because most of my experience had been in lesser restaurants, mm-hmm. steakhouses. And so stuff. you grew up in regards to your, your food knowledge. Food knowledge. Huge. Okay. Yes. Um, what this restaurant's more about is really the management side of things, right? Who to be, how to be. Um, and you said you did a lot of growing up to that point in management. So how did you transform as a manager from the time you first got into management to the time you moved on to this, fr- this French restaurant? Um, I think, I just think it's an important, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a tough question. Sorry, I go deep. I go deep. It's what I do. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Um, I think I was born to be a manager because I trust people and I groom them. I mean, I have people that are working. There's a waitress working today who's been with me. I hired her in May of 86. Okay. And she's um, voted the best waitress in this town, uh, this county year after year. So, okay. So you were born to be a manager because you trust people. What else? What other characteristics, natural characteristics, instinctual characteristics that you have are, uh, I guess, that, that, that contribute to this natural born uh, manager style that you have? Um, I think part of um, empathy is a really big thing. I think um, I can tell when people are having a bad day or if they need a pat on the back or if they need to be an inspiration or if they need to be corrected and pointed in a different direction mm-hmm. and um so i think empathy is a big thing because people um they want to feel like you have their back because mm. they take a risk with us um that you know maybe if you screw up you'll uh, lose your job and now yeah. people are i love to call empathy like the the chameleon effect that your ability to kind of know where people are at to to get to their same level emotionally uh what do you do when you get to that same place emotionally like how do you you know handle those situations when you're able to match them emotionally well you, there there are a lot of signs but you go to people and you um we have some a lot of hispanic employees and i just had a recent incident with a woman who was having a hard time financially wise she's been with me for eight years and she just needed a little bit of help i sat down and talked to her and got her daughter as a translator to come in and we helped her out and got her an advance that made a big difference. But, you know, you could just tell that she was mm. normally happy, but she was having a bad day. And I just sat down and talked to her. And mm. Just take the time to care. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Absolutely. I have over 300 employees in all Man. of the restaurants. And it's... Um, We'll get into how the the, the scaling and how you've been able to maintain that level of impact from like 30 employees to 300 because that's something that's really interesting to me. But let's take it to uh, the point where you knew you were ready to open your own restaurant. So when did you know you were ready? I had an opportunity um, where this the building we're in right now was being constructed. It's an interesting story. My um, my, the boss that was my mentor, um, he he was building a recreational. a party facility out here basically geared toward business um entertainment for their employees um so they they had swimming and they people and he would cater the events okay real quick before we move on um, yeah paint the picture of this setting this this building is gorgeous by the way and i can't yes. i feel like we can't just say oh we're in this 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 building and move on because it's a it's a beautiful setting so in your words, uh, paint the picture of where we're sitting right now. Okay, we're sitting in the, what used to be the McKimmy Speed Store and Mill. It's a it's the tallest building in the town, 
and the um, it was an operating grain mill when I um, started looking into it for a restaurant. And I, my wife has horses, and I would buy um, grain from the grain store, and I'd walk around and I'd say, well, we'll put a table over here, and the guys uh, working in the mill were <laughs> shaking their heads. And uh, I brought a consultant in one time out of um, Washington, D.C., and he had this um, great big black coat that he wore, cashmere coat, and we walked all over the mill. We walked upstairs, we, and he was covered with pigeon poop. Can I say poop? <laughs> you can say shit. poop, shit, crap, okay. whatever you want. And then <laughs> grain dust, and he's walking out the door, and I'm right behind him, and he's getting in his Cadillac after giving me the contract <laughs> to sign, and this, this dust falling off of him when he gets into the Cadillac. So I said, boy, this is going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was fun. Yeah, that is funny. But just sitting around like me is like it's it's like I'm sitting in a barn, uh, but it's like a high. It's like it's a barn, but at the same time, it's very classy. Uh, yeah. It's like you put a, a classy bar into a barn. It's a right. very charming space. Um, and I hope you guys are painting that picture at home. Maybe I'll take some pictures and post it in, post in, in the yeah. uh, in the post uh, the the episode post. But okay, moving on. Uh, the, the, the topic of conversation was when did you know you were ready? So you, you found the space, uh, and that's where we were. I found the space, and then um, I had a, uh, <clears throat> I got a partner who was actually a carpooler with my wife, and um, he was interested in old buildings. He didn't know anything about restaurants, so I got him hooked as an investor. And because, um, you, you know, you feel what somebody's passion is and i said don't think about it as a restaurant let's think about what we're doing for this um old building so um he helped me put together the capital and we got some investors in there and now did you move into this uh space uh you moved into it after they relocated the, they the relocated building. yes so that was was that was it relocated into the space before you moved into it um no, it was afterwards. Oh, the, wow. There were a collection of old buildings in town. This building was actually scheduled to be burned down as a fire bomb drill for the fire oh, department, man, which would have been sad. Yeah. But anyway, so there were several buildings brought to this location uh, about, about 400 yards away. They um, actually put this um, 60-foot-tall structure on wheels and wheeled it down here. It was funny because the, the guy developing it... Um, they mismeasured between the poles, and they anyway. So they had to. <laughs> so w- I'm curious when they moved it. Do they have all the uh, original? Yeah. There's like the belts well, in the, the belts and pulleys. Everything, and everything was in place. They didn't break that down. No. Wow. They That's incredible. moved it, picked it up, and moved it. That's probably something we should have pointed out too when we we're painting the picture of where we we're sitting. That you can actually see the original. Yes. Uh, I guess mechan- mechanisms that yeah. were a part of the the mill that was here. It's a really cool space. Um, okay. Uh, so what about? You personally, how did you know you were ready for opening a restaurant? Did you have the people? Did you have the network? Did you have the experience? Did you have the the vision? How did you know? Um, It took a lot of planning. And in the meantime, people I'd worked with through the years, I contacted them. And um, my core crew, um, I'd already known most of them. And, um, and, you know, then they knew what to do. They knew me. Yeah. So they really helped. Let's talk about this core crew. How did you find this core crew? Well, one of them I was working with. um, right before um, I opened the restaurant, and I asked him to come along, and he's still with us today. He's been here 33 years, doing mm-hmm. a great job, Mark. Was he your and bartender? No. No. But I've had a bartender here. I met him yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. So you had um, – so you, let's go back to the building this team. How many people did you pull from your, your network of uh, seasoned restaurant well, veterans? I would, I would say 12 or 14. Um, our staff back then, the restaurant was 3,000 square feet back then, and now we're well over 10,000 square feet. So how, so how many original people did you have on staff? About 30. 30? Mm-hmm. So half of your staff was uh, people that you had worked with um, and knew and had right. rapport and trust among. And they um, helped build that core crew um, and train them. Get into the specifics as to why that's so crucial, to have this team behind you on day one. Just because you have to know the culture of what we wanted in this restaurant. We wanted to be pleased guests. We wanted to make everything as good as possible. We um, we believe in truth in menu. A lot of core principles there. Um, we don't sell Vidalia onions in, um, in December. So the- Yeah. Can you get specific on reflecting back at that time? Do you remember what, what it was that you wanted, the core the core values, the culture, what were you trying to establish at that time? Was it just unspoken? And did you have specifics that come to mind? 
I think it was unspoken, but there was a lot of passion there. I remember very early on where we had an incident where some guests got ignored, and I assembled all of the, the 34 employees that we probably had at that time and lost my temper, and I, I rarely do, maybe every 15 years, but the, <laughs> I just said, this cannot go on. This is, you know, we're going to start over again with somebody else if you all can't make this happen. So wait, get specific. What, what was going on during this time? How, paint the picture of what happened. We just had incidents where um, guests were in the house and many people saw them, but nobody stepped up to them. And, okay. and, and I think we got the message through. Nobody got fired. Everybody got better. I got better. They got better. And the restaurant got better. So what so, were you doing in that time? Like, what was happening at this time as far as um, the intent of, you know, addressing this matter right away? Like, what was going through your mind? Um, I thought that it was immediate. I wanted to really shock them. Um, yeah. And even though I said I lost my temper, that's partly true, but I also was a little dramatic because I wanted to really impress upon them how it's so important that every time that you have an incident, uh, a meeting with a guest, it has to be spun positively. Hey, welcome and all that. Um, Yeah. You've got to set that standard from day one. As soon as you start, you know, not doing that once you let it go once once you let it go I twice it just starts to, yeah, yeah you start to drift yeah and you got to keep that center line you got to have that standard of excellence and people need yes. to know like this is what we do um i really want to drive home to the importance of having this team behind you from day one it's harder to, to do today because there's a lot of competition out there um but i see so many people opening restaurants with two two people two partners and then they hire everybody else and how do you how do you transform 30 people with two people. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you have 15 people that all are right there on the same page as to who we are, what our standards are, our knowledge combined, how much easier is it to transform 15 people with 15 other, like, you know, 15 people transforming another 15 people versus uh, two people transforming 28 people? But you harder. Know? But the, is when you build the mix, when you have the people who are now bought into what you do, then... They don't let people, the new people that come in, they they don't let them screw up the business. Mm. So they'll say, this is not the way we do this here. Yeah. And then, you know, my staff will come to me and they'll say, hey, this is a really good hire we just hired. They, yeah. They, they're buying into it. Yeah. I guess the point that I was hoping we would make is that when you're going into business for your first time, have your team put together. Get out there. Get experience. Build relationships and put together a team because you won't be able to do it by yourself. As easy if you, oh, you can't uh, do it by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, take us through what the opening was like. Well, we were actually very popular because this was a really big um, deal to the town of Leesburg. This was created Market Station, um, a visionary of a builder, um, Bruce Brunell, who's no longer with us. But anyway, it was very popular, and it, so it helped us a lot. Um, and we got a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of direction from um, our customer, our early on customers. They hadn't really seen anything like this in here, so it was um, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of um, long hours, but um, we made it happen. And like I said, there people have been here have helped shape this place um, for a long time. Okay, uh, real quick, I just want to zoom to like thirty thousand feet and get aerial because you guys opened in nineteen eighty five. How many years uh, went by before opening the second location? Uh, about 20 years. About 20 years. Mm-hmm. So now we're at uh, 2005. Yeah. Uh, and then you opened an additional four more locations since 2005. So um, take us through the evolution of the first location, Tuskies. Um, how did you guys evolve as a restaurant group? Take us through some of those those key transformative parts, if you can think of them. Okay. Well, one of the um, the guy who built this restaurant, Tuskegee Mill, for us he also had another mill uh, west of here 10 miles west of here in percival virginia and um he kept saying listen you need to open another restaurant you're really successful here we want you to open this other restaurant in percival and um i said you know what um uh, let come back to me when there are more people than cows than there are <laughs> and um and that was in actually in the washington post he anyway so he called me about four years later and he says i just counted there's more <laughs> people than cows so we opened magnolia did he actually um, count did he, get, did he go to the town and no like, he didn't okay. i'm sure he didn't but anyway <laughs> he's a was a really great guy okay 
anyway, couldn't have done it without him. Great guy. But anyway, so we opened Magnolias, which is wildly successful. Okay. So it's a larger business than this, but it's still very similar. They have all the same open architecture. You can see all the I work. I was there. It, was, oh. it is beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Very I love, nice. the, I love the theme you guys are going with. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, how did you, you, you were smart enough to know that you needed the people there uh, before opening a restaurant. You can't open a, pe- a restaurant right. without the people, which was smart. Um, aside from that, how did you know you were ready to open a second location? Um, I, because we had enough people who could go support that. We took some staff and moved them over there and we had, um, a really good crew and worked out really well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we had a hired a really good chef at the time. Okay. So w- for a lot of the people that were working for you at the time, was this like a, a raise a promotion or is it like a, a lateral move? Were you like pulling GMs and we pulled, we bumped some people up okay. that were really ready for the opportunity. And when you're able to grow your business at a slower pace, people know that there are opportunities. And in some of the businesses that we've opened, we've allowed key people to buy shares into the restaurants. Um, we had a chef that worked for us for 25 years and he owned part of our, um, pizza restaurant. I want to dive into the significance of why it, it's so important to let people uh, have skin in the game, buy shares. But um, before we dive into that, um, what were some of the challenges of going from one location to two locations? Um, more hours. You got to keep an eye on. You can't just see it all in one hour and or what's going on. So it's and you know you also brought in people that you didn't know and didn't know our culture. So there's some bumps in the road. Okay. Um, so how did you challenge? How did you uh, combat those those bumps? How did you overcome that? A lot of, um, you know, I believe that the role of management is to make um, employees successful, and you, you give them the tools, and um, so that's what we do. We emphasize, you know, what do you need here? What, what yes. can we do to help you to be successful? Okay, give me some sp- specific examples. Really dive into what do you mean by giving them the tools? Okay, um, for one thing, um, one of my um, philosophies is if a piece of equipment breaks you fix it right away mm. i've been i've worked for people who said well i don't have the money right now i'll get it in you know when two months we'll fix that and um that you're not supporting your staff with that so if we something breaks even though you might have to put it on a credit card back in the old days but did you they need to have the tools to do the job it's not fair to ask them to where'd you learn that is that just gut i think or? it's just well because i came up through the industry as a as a, the low man on the totem pole in my first bartending job. So the, I think it taught me, you know, if you don't have a knife, you can't slice this. Yeah. Throat. Well, so. that's the kind of the next question I was going to have for you is what happens when your people don't have the right tools? They can't do their job or they'll get frustrated and they'll be disgruntled. They won't, you know, this, this coffee machine hasn't been working in two months and it's very frustrating because it's the coffee's not hot or whatever it is and it doesn't make them successful. Mm. So you have to fix it. So I'm curious as to when we say the word tools, I'm really curious as to what your th- idea of tools are. Obviously, there's the uh, obvious tools like the hardware, the software, the, the, the things we need to uh, like POS systems, uh, equipment in the back in front of house, uh, coffee machine, like these types of things, the tools, those physical tools. But what, what other types of tools do you are you responsible for uh, to, to create for your team? Uh, yes, and we also provide a lot of um, learning opportunities. Okay. I'm hoping um, you were going. They'll here. go to okay. other restaurants. Um, I'll read reviews, and I'll print. I just printed one um, yesterday, a review, and I passed it around to all the dining room staff. That's just um, <clears throat> informative about this is what people um, are looking for. This is it was specifically about a review about restaurants that don't have um, are not sensitive to allergies and gluten-free and here at Tuscarora and all of our restaurants we have gluten-free menus we highlight um, twice a day we have a meeting where we highlight any allergy concerns there could be dairy um, uh, peanuts or um, any nuts anyway so we make aware of that we have a knowledge base that we instill upon them and we've given people um, I bought them books and said to read the you know Danny Myers um, mm. um, setting the table um, just the way to so when you're talking about tools, you're not just talking about the physical tools. Right, you're talking the physical, about the knowledge, the learning, the yes. learning, the, the the growing aspect. Like you gotta you gotta transform these people. You take people with 
um, some experience or no experience and, and you make them into an experienced yes. person. I feel like you hear all the time that there's no good people in this industry. Well, guess what? Good people aren't, don't just come off trees. you gotta, no. you got to create you gotta, those people. Yeah, you have to mold them. Absolutely. We, every year we send people to the National Restaurant Show in Chicago. We just mm. had six people. Sorry. It's okay. We just, we just had six people this year that went and they wrote up um, all their findings and what they learned and what they saw and um, we're actually making some purchases based upon some of the things that they've seen mm-hmm. a, a new point of sale system for instance okay which so, one which one are you going with i'm curious maybe we should save it for later maybe <laughs> it might be toast oh okay yeah. we'll talk about that later yeah uh, cool so uh the other thing that you mentioned that is really that really stood out to me was the idea of letting your people have skin in the game right uh why is that so important when you're when you're expanding uh why is it important to 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 bring on partners because um they'll they'll help you make the place successful so you can't you can't do it on your own your own in this business you need to have help and if you get somebody who's really committed to that because they're um they can see their revenue growing they can have pride of ownership and it really makes them more passionate about the business so Mm -hmm. and that's what happened with our fireworks um the um restaurants is that we had a chef here for 25 years who also was able to buy into that business and he made it the best darn pizza you could make was that that business uh his vision or was it your vision it was my vision and um i shared that with him and because he was a superb chef um and he created the recipes and uh it worked out really well Okay. What do you think would have happened if you said hey uh, i'm gonna open this restaurant and i want you to chef it i'm gonna give you a ten thousand dollar raise um, I think the ownership is, means more, and frankly, the investment um, they put their money in. Mm. Um, but I think his return was um, ginormous. Mm. So absolutely, uh, people want to feel like they're growing. They want to feel like they have a sense of yes. ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, uh, we want to grow, and in that sense of ownership is a great way to make people feel like they have control over their life, right? Yes. Uh, that sense of uh, what's the word? Anon- or not anonymous. Um, Oh, of course, I'm at a loss of words. I can't think of the word, but it's important. <laughs> so uh, anything else we haven't touched on? Um, some areas of, of strengths that you have, some some topics that you think need to be brought to the table before we we start thinking about the speed round? Um, I think I'm a very patient person. I try not to overreact. Um, I try not to take things in stride. I think you um, you discipline in private and you praise in public um, skills like skills like that. The um, that I and people respect that because everybody screws up once in a while, but they don't need the additional pain of being reprimanded um, in public. Mm-hmm. So I think that we have a good set of management skills here with all of our managers. Um, so one question that comes up in, in later on is like, what is your it factor? Uh, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about you. We can kind of highlight it again later, but it seems like uh, your your biggest strength is your ability to uh, develop that trust and that rapport and to surround yourself with other people. Is that safe to say? I think that's true. So I'm curious, what are some like what did what were your skill sets? What were the specific things that you brought to the table uh, when you first started the business? And where what's what's your lane? I guess is the question I'm asking. I think um, I have a lot of passion for what we do. Um, I've had some, I've, I've tremendous learning experiences. Um, this might be... Anyway, there was a regular customer here who came in here and they asked us... This was a first year of business. And they asked us to do a special seafood. Um, they wanted to watch a football game or something. A um, Notre Dame game, I think. And they were all... There were a dozen of them. And we made this really special menu for them, including... Uh, prawns heads on prawns and they were just uh, shocked by that and he wrote me a letter that why how dare us that we served the prawns with the heads on now this is 30 years ago yeah and the um and so i wrote him i sat down and the, I didn't have a computer i typed a letter and i um i wrote it and i said you know you don't know understand that the prawns are they're more expensive they're better and all that all of that i read the letter threw it away and then um, wrote him another letter, said, I'm so sorry, and we're going to invite you all back again. Mm. And I bet you he's been in here 6,000 times in the last 30 years. Wow. Because he's here almost every day. What's the lesson there? <clears throat> the lesson is that, you know, it's, um, it's about the guest. It's not about our egos. We don't have an ego. We are a business. We're here to serve you. 
and um, and he's the guest. And if they're unhappy, then um, we're going to make them happy. Is there a time where people can go too far in that you have to you have to put your foot down and stand up? Yeah, and there's some people that you have to in, uninvite. How do you? What, where where is that line in your opinion? Where do you, um, where, where you do know, people cross the line? What I measure is is if your behavior. Um, is uh, reasonably offensive to or annoying to other guests, then that's where you cross the line. Mm-hmm. If somebody um, wants to wear their baseball cap and sitting at the bar... Um, am I in that, trouble right now? I'm wearing my yeah, hat in here. No, no, it's, not, it's <laughs> fine. That's fine. That's not offending anyone Okay, else, I'm going to take it off now. I'm worried. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want you to kick me up before the intro. Ah, <laughs> we don't throw people out. For, not um, wearing uh, so... I like where you went there. Uh, basically, when the the experience of your other guests is at Jeopardy, what about uh, where do, where do you cross the line with uh, your your inner guests, your employees? Can you cross the line with them? Mm, uh, I think they pretty much know where the lines are, mm-hmm. and you know, there's um, <clears throat> as my wife told me um, thirty years ago when I was very frustrated with the the opening blues. And she said, very few people are in eighth grade daydreaming of being a waiter or waitress. <laughs> and you have to inspire them because mm. they're really, they get in the business for the money, but um, but it's beyond the money. And I think that's what we take them beyond that. We're not, you're not just, you're making good money um, and you're doing a really good job. And I, I am as proud of our service staff as I am anyone else in the business. Mm. What is um, beyond the money? Give me some spe- specific things that go beyond because money. Because if work is a is a pain in the ass and it's not going well and you don't have um you're not enjoying it, then the money doesn't really matter because you're not going to be happy and you're not going to stay. So can you, can you think of like some specific <laughs> things some uh, whether they're values or emotions or like what goes beyond the money? Um, I think it's um, a sense of being appreciated, and you have to show that. We've had a lot of employees through the years who have left here, left here and then come back. We have unbelievable amount of yeah. um, people who come it's back. incredible. Yeah. So and how do you show your employees that you appreciate them? I think it's just the way you talk. It's a day-to-day thing. It's not, you know, um, getting balloons on their birthday. It's, you know, happy birthday, but it's still um, – and they realize that they can – Go to any manager and say, hey, I think that we could do this better. Mm-hmm. And you, it's unbelievable how many good ideas you get from mm-hmm. people. And I agree with everything you're saying right now. And uh, one thing I'm curious about with expansion, right? You, When you first started, you were responsible for 30 people. Now mm-hmm. you're responsible for over 300 people. How right. do you show those 300 people the same level of care and uh, appreciation how do you do that? Because, I mean, you can, only, you can only be present with so many people. How do right. you have that same impact? You really can't do it at the same one-on-one. But what you do is you influence. We're, I'm very close with all of our um, managers, our um, general managers of each of the businesses. And they know what we expect here. And they follow that pattern. Mm-hmm. And it's also um, when I'm in the restaurant, I make sure I acknowledge the people that I know that have been there for a while and welcome the new people. It's not, it's not a time it's not doesn't take a lot of time to show your appreciation for people yeah. so and i see people doing something i say hey, thank you that's really you're doing that good yeah you mentioned your wife uh yeah. the in, the impact that she's had in your life you've learned a lot from her you attribute Everything. much of your success from her yes. what are the two biggest lessons you've learned from her how how has she most impacted this operation uh, i think because she's a cooler head and she also um she's where i'm very frustrated and um and then she just sits me down and said, this will be okay. You're going to get through this. She's been unbelievably supportive. And mm. she was not, um, I met her in the restaurant business, but she went on to a very good government career of 42 years. So okay. The, but anyway, she's a tremendous help. She's, right. um, when I, when you're so upset that you can't see things clearly, she helps me clarify everything. She talks you through it. Yeah. I had a um, very tough time with a really good chef and, um, i um, he was not doing things that he was supposed to do. The health department wanted him to do those things. And I sat him down and I said, these, these things, you have to do it. And he got mad. And I said, Bob, I said, you got to do this. Um, and there's no, you know, that's what health department says. And my wife told me, so next time you're in a meeting, you give him your agenda. This is what we're going to do. And thank you very much. Shake your hand, Bob. I'm counting on doing this. And I just walked away and he straightened them right out. So, 
Awesome. Um, one other thing I want to get from you, uh, or two, there's two more things I want to get from you before we move on to the speed round. The first oh thing, <laughs> speed round or knowledge bombs is what I, I used to call. Them. Maybe I'll go back to that. I just, I don't know. It's so cheesy, but anyway, uh, can you reflect back at your biggest failure? Uh, the, the time that you fell the hardest on your ass. Uh, let me think about that for a minute. Maybe we'll circle back that one. Okay. There, there certainly have been a lot of failures. Okay, I think we can learn a lot from those failures, though. Yeah, it- I think, if, and that's why um, it, employees know that and managers know that. If you, you you make mistakes, we all make mistakes. Um, and but if they're learning experiences, then if you learn from that, if you're going to repeat the mistake, then you can't work here. But if you're going to learn from the mistake, then um, then it's a in the end, yeah. it's, a, it's a good learning lesson. So have any failures popped into your head yet? <clears throat> no, I could come back to that. Okay, we can come back to that well, one. You know, one, the other thing that we're really good about is investing in people here. Yeah. Um, so we opened a bakery, I guess it's been about 15 years ago, South Street Under, and our number one product is um, the best ciabatta. I'll, I'll sell you both ciabatta okay. later. But anyway, <laughs> I had a guy working for me who was a culinary school graduate, really great guy, Ezra. And... Um, uh, we sent Ezra to the culinary school for a specific baking class. I paid his salary oh, wow. and paid for the class, wow. and he brought back a ciabatta bread recipe. And we probably sell four hundred loaves of ciabatta every day. Man, so and that's been so. It's been a good return on the investment. He's a great <laughs> guy. He went into a different career. He was a very talented cook, but he's an EMT now. Yeah. So I don't think people understand that um, you got to give before you get. Absolutely, yes. and we, we want to get so much, but we're so unwilling to give. But as soon as you give, that's when the, I know. you really start to benefit from those investments and you really start to get. Um, okay. The other question I was going to ask you was uh, really this, this podcast is really becoming about the transformation. Uh, really what the, the, the mission of this podcast is, is to transform the industry by making an example of people like you, showing that picture of perfection in people like you. Um, so how have you transformed? Reflecting back to where you were 33 years ago, uh, getting into becoming an owner how have you transfer, transformed as an individual? Um, it, it makes you humble. It's a lot of hard work. It makes you humble. And um, I think what's really transformed in me is I think that I have seen my role now as um, larger than just um, dining room customers. I think the culture that we have here, and I support that, and I support our employees. And um, So I'm, your biggest uh transformation your biggest uh change was the the pivot to focusing on the customer to focusing on the people your employees because i if i focus on them they'll take care of the customers i can't wait on everybody who the the thousand people or two thousand every day that come through our our six doors so the um so you have to count on them and i think i've done a very good job of that and i think my uh, management staff has supported that very well too i've got I've got a um, my dining room manager started as a busboy when he was in high school, um, and he's been with us for well over twenty five years. Oh wow, so. incredible! Anyway, and buys into everything, knows the culture, and knows what he needs to do. Oh, he he's not buying in; he's a part of it. He, yes, he's he molded him into it. Yes, you know? yes. Um, so, do you, do you have that failure yet? Um, no, I don't <laughs> think it's, I'm sure there have been a lot of them, but I I kind of push them back to the back of my head. <laughs> I do remember in '88 was our biggest challenge because the real estate. Um, boom collapsed here yeah. and we, we got some creative things we lowered some menu prices we also created our square plate special which was a uh, that was my wife's suggestion because she worked in dc and they'd always go to people they weren't necessarily high paid at the time and they go to a place where they could get a good meal for cheap so we had created a four dollars and 95 cent um, hot plate of lunch an entree okay and we it's now 7.95 but we've done, been doing it since 88 and that filled our dining room with guests because um they might you know one guy says i want to go here and he'll have the square plate special which is always delicious yeah. it's not expensive yeah. um to make but anyway then his other the other guests will all have what they want yeah so it's, plus um, i feel like people will go with the intent to not spend a lot of money so if you pull them yeah. in knowing that there's are shipping cheap They'll have a drink and go, uh, maybe I'll get an appetizer too. Yeah. You know, that's true. (laughs) Because the most expensive thing in our business is empty seats. So, exactly. We want to put put bodies in there. That's true. Anything to get them in. Uh, Great lesson. I'll take that for, even though it's not technically a failure, because that was, uh, okay. You, you know that was the uh, the environment uh, were happening to you, <laughs> the economy happening to you, and yes. you pulled out of it. So it was a success, but that was a, a nugget of knowledge. So I'm taking it. All right, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. 
To be unstoppable, most restaurants require a little extra capital from time to time. It happens, right? Uh, when you need funding to like renovate or buy equipment or manage cash flow, you don't have time to just track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. And that is where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. And if you apply online, you'll get a decision right away, which is pretty awesome. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You'll never have to reapply to take out additional loans, and you only pay for the funds you use. Yeah, you're impressed, and I haven't even gotten to the impressive part. Cabbage has helped more than 130,000 businesses from every industry with over $4 billion in funding. Like, awesome. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company not once, but twice. Check out Cabbage at Cabbage with a K dot com slash restaurant unstoppable and you'll get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash restaurant unstoppable. Line of credit is subject to credit approval, C terms and conditions. All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member, FDIC. Everyone loves processing invoice after invoice. It's the best. (laughs) Not really. Just the sight of a filing cabinet is enough to make you sick, right? It doesn't have to be that way. With Sorcery, there's no more manually processing invoices by hand and no more cutting check after check. With Sorcery, you can organize all of your accounts digitally, scan your invoices, and pay your vendors with just one click. It is easy. Sorcery offers fully managed accounts and statements reconciliation, so you no longer spend hours on the phone with your vendors and banks that stinks. You now have the peace of mind knowing your accounts are being taken care of, and you can get back to work doing what you love, running unstoppable restaurants. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call one 800 Six six eight three zero zero six nine one. Mention Restaurant Unstoppable and receive ten percent off your first three months. And say goodbye to your old filing cabinet and hello to the digital world with Sorcery AP Automation. All right, we're back. And uh, during the break, uh, real quick, uh, Kevin was telling us that uh, he he pushes these um, these failures back because he's so optimistic. So. Real quick, before we ask the first question, the speed round or the, the knowledge bombs, uh, why is optimism so important? You know, customers don't come into a restaurant to have a bad time, and they don't want to be um, have somebody else give them a bad time. So it's important for all of us. Our culture has to be optimistic. You know, we're not allowed, the chefs are not allowed to say, no, they're not allowed to, um, we can't do that. They'll find a way to do it. They're not allowed to swear in the kitchen. They're not allowed to refer to food to anything other than get this um Get these entrees out of here, please. Thank you very much. Yeah. So it's a whole culture of things where um, people can tell. You don't want to be waited on by somebody who's grumpy, who's um, wife left them that morning or something. I don't know. But whatever it's causing it, you want people, happy, optimistic people to wait on the people um, to serve the people. And yeah. that's the culture all the way through from a dishwasher to the cook to the service staff, the host, the greeting. I, I don't think optimism can be emphasized enough in this industry uh the cool thing about optimism is it 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 engages this part of our brain that is the part of our brain that is the evolved part of the brain that allows you to peer into the future and look at possibilities as soon as you say something's not possible or we can't do this and it you know if you're a pessimist and you say it's 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 not possible that evolved part of the brain shuts off the state of energy um and we just kind of resort to the standard or we we don't try to grow because it's not possible but if we are optimistic we say it it is possible that evolved part of the the mind starts brainstorming how can we do this how can we make it happen and beautiful things start to happen so stay optimistic like use that evolved part of the brain get creative ask how and great things will happen um i wanted to go there so well put (laughs) well but we're in the hospitality industry absolutely yeah Hospitable, yes, sir. Okay, so uh, the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor? We already kind of touched on this a little bit. Your strength, your weakness, your habit—the the thing that you think most contributes to your success. I think um, just being open to um, the, 
the staff. I think the key to our success is the staff, and I think I'm open there. I'm there for them. I'm a resource for them. I'm a motivation for them, and um, my managers have bought into this, so um, it makes it work for us. What is your biggest weakness? Um, just um, not organized. <laughs> I tell people I have a the office manager has been with me for 25 years, and I I'm not a dishonest person, but I'm sure that I'd be in jail right now if I um, if I um, didn't have her to keep me in line mm. to pay my taxes to do the yeah. Anyway, so I'm <laughs> disorganized. Oh, and, and I love organization, but I just can't do it. And you should see my desk. Well, no, you can't <laughs> see my desk because it's covered with books and papers. And but, you know, you, you bring up a good point. Uh, we're, we can't be good at everything. No. Uh, and it sounds yeah. like what you do to combat that weakness is surround yourself with people who are strong. Absolutely. Weak. Awesome. Uh, who is or sorry, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're developing your team? You know, in a hiring environment? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say um, describe a good experience in a restaurant you had, and then I asked them to, um, what a bad experience. Is there anything had. you're looking for in particular? Yeah, I'm looking for the response and see what they, um, how they spun that. Are they blaming somebody or are they, um, you know, just the way they reacted to the to the situation. Great. Uh, and now there's Facebook, so you can look up Facebook. And we <laughs> had a, the truth. we had an application. Oh, I can't say this. I guess I can say anything. Go for it. We had an application whose um, email uh, address was. Um, maybe uh, don't say the email no, address. No, that's true. Okay. That, maybe we can't but, do that. Okay. <laughs> it was something to do with. Maybe um, leave out something that's that. Yeah. Say it real quick, and I'll edit this if we can't. Use Crazy it. blank boy. Crazy blank boy. But with the fill in the blank with the whatever. We won't say what at. We just no. don't say it's at whatever uh, dot com. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was an email address, and that was like he was applying for a management position. So okay, we didn't say the whole thing, so yeah, we we'll, we'll leave it there. So, what did that tell you when you saw that? I'm curious. Um, it was crazy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your time. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is your current challenge today? Your biggest challenge today? Um, I think we're in a very, very competitive market, yeah. so holding on to our key staff. What I tell my managers at least um, two, twice a year or three times a year, I say, what, what employee would you not want? Would you want to wake up one morning and find out that he is given his notice? And so what you have to do, you have to be proactive. Don't wait for them to come to you and say, I need a raise, because they've got other people that are looking for our key people. Yeah, I just want to so, make sure I heard that right. So you ask your employees to... I ask managers okay. to single out who the m- most important people are. So if um, we were to lose this person, who would have like the biggest impact on our operation? Yes. And so you go to those people and say, we're going to promote you. We're mm-hmm. going to, we're looking out for you. You don't have to come to us. Yep. Because Be we recognize, yes, proactive. Got and it. this competitive market, it's crazy. So share yes. one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team this is a way to be i think um to the staff we talk about being on stage you're on stage all the time even though you may not realize it um and just we behave like um, ladies and gentlemen mm. so um we treat ourselves that way and i love the saying uh be ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen yeah that's um i think that's the ritz um, <laughs> yeah exactly i yeah. think that's right yeah. uh what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team so this is standard within your four walls not standard within the industry um i think well, we do a lot of things that um that are impress people we um will prepare anything any way they want it um i um we have parking meters out front that's um if somebody needs to change for a meter, you just give them a couple of quarters and say, and um, actually we'll have a bartender sometimes run out and put the, nice. the guy with the red Porsche and say, it's right out there. And he says, well, I'll take care of the meter. For yeah. You, so, you know, it's the unexpected, right? People yeah. are expecting you to make change for them, but they're not expecting you to go out there and put the, the coin. Because then he has machine. to walk back out and he's meeting his group. Yeah. And you it's know, the little things. Yeah. The compound. The um, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? Uh, I like Danny Meyer's book. I like um, the best book that I got on cooking was I got um, James Beard's Theory and Practice of Good Cooking. Um, and um, I give that to people. And then I, uh, the One Minute Managers. What is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant that has had a huge impact on operations, communication, profitability, overall efficiency? 
I think um, our point of sale system, um, and we review every week. We review um, the what sells, what doesn't sell. Um, we so the the technology. Like I said, we're shopping for a new uh, point of sale system. I think um, getting the data out of, um, of does this item really sell well? And um, sometimes you think, well, no, I don't think anybody buys that. And then you look at the numbers, and they're mm-hmm. we're selling twenty six of them a day or something. So yeah. Awesome. And you you mentioned Toast is on the the radar. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, All right. Our people from um, that went to Chicago, we're impressed with them. Absolutely. Great, great resource there. So here is uh, the last question. Okay. It's a doozy. You ready for it? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be gone with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom. Three things you can leave behind for your legacy and the good of humanity. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Um, I would say um, trust your gut. I think that we need to do that instead of um, do what you think is right in your heart. Um, That'd be one piece of information. I think also um, be kind to the people around you. And, And... Stay optimistic. Stay mm. upbeat. Trust your guts. Be kind. Stay optimistic. Awesome stuff. Kevin, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me, to share your story, uh, to share your wisdom, your mentorship with us. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's one person in uh, the Virginia Northeast area, uh, maybe Leesburg, maybe DC, uh, somebody you think I need to connect with while I'm here in town, call them out. Somebody you admire and respect a restaurateur. Um, um, I like as a, as the, the name of the person. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good restaurants. In town. <laughs> you can I name more than one. I'll, t- I'll, I'll take I as many leads as possible. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, specifically, uh, thinking people like the, the character their ability to run the business people who are doing it right around here somebody you think needs to be made an example of um this is <laughs> it's tough when you know a lot of people I, I i get it or you don't know a lot i mean i know a lot of businesses that are well run yeah um but the um yeah there's a lot of people in town there's a Kurt Allred up at the um, Delirium Tremens um, restaurant. Okay, the, um, it's a the cafe. It's, um, he's got a lot of passion for beer. He got the uh, franchise for the um, Delirium Tremens from um, the first one in um, the United States. Okay, so he's passionate about that. All right, Kurt, Good look guy. up. I'm coming yeah. after you. Uh, <laughs> let the folks at home know uh, how can we connect if we want to maybe come join your team. Uh, we want to follow you on on. Uh, social media if you know the handles maybe you can drop them now any what's the best way to connect oh well i would just go to our um, website huskies.com and fireworks uh, pizza.com and magnolia's mill at the mill magnolia's mill.com just beautiful yes yeah. this, this is episode 496 head over to restaurant unstoppable.com slash 496 or restaurant unstoppable.com slash kevin malone and you'll find the links in a summary of today's discussion right over there again kevin thank you so much for taking the time to join us to share your story your advice there is no questioning you are unstoppable well there is another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable and man it was a good one uh three key takeaways for me in today's conversation. The first one is the power of optimism, uh, keeping that frontal lobe active, asking yourself, you know, how can we do this? I mean, we know we can do this, but how we can do it. And that's what happens when you stay optimistic, your mind gets creative. You, you figure it out. Uh, as soon as you get to that pessimistic world, you say to yourself, this is not possible. That creative mind shuts down to re- to, to save energy is really what's happening. Uh, but we got plenty of energy. We're, we're in the 20, 2018. There's plenty of food out there. We can, we can provide energy to our mind. So get creative, be optimistic. Uh, the next big thing was the uh, importance of building your team before you build your restaurant. And I, th- I see this all the time. Uh, people fail because uh, they can't provide the great service that's you know, re- required today to be successful because their turnover is so high and all their energy is going into uh, trying to find people 
versus trying to develop people. That's where your energy should be going in developing people. And you need a team of people that you know and trust around you from day one. You can't do it alone. So if you have that team, if you if you spend time uh, networking, building rapport with with people, partners in the industry, uh, at restaurants you're working at before you open your own restaurant, if you can go into that initial opening with a team, he had a team of 15 people that he handpicked throughout the industry from his time working. And uh, that was what, what primed this engine uh, that's still going today. And then lastly, uh, your job as a restaurant owner or manager is to develop your team, to give them the tools they need to be successful. Again, those tools are the, the physical tools like the appliances and whatnot, but it's also the educational tools and values are tools. Habits are tools. Knowledge is, these are all tools and we need to mold these people. We need to transform these people into the professionals we need them to be. And it's your job to do that. Uh, you know, good people, don't just fall into your lap. I mean, they, they, they have the, the beginning of what it takes to be good, but to really create amazing people or to have amazing people, you have to mold them. Um, all right, guys, that's all for today. Like always, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable. Tell me who you want to hear from. I'm in DC for another two weeks or a week and a half when this drops. So uh, if you want to meet up with me, let me know, or if you can uh, suggest anybody before july 6th that's when i'll be heading towards texas man i can't believe i'm gonna be driving even further away from home uh but ultimately i want to end up in um do a little time in montana uh maybe some time in washington oregon and california that's the goal and i'm gonna make my way back to new hampshire uh sometime in the fall so if any of those places if you're out there uh if you can give me a place to park my car and sleep in my car i'm happy to sleep in my car I'm not picky. I just need a place to park. Let me know. I'm looking for uh, places to post up. And um, I guess that's all. Uh, Keep those five-star reviews. I might have already said that. (laughs) Sorry if I did. Uh, But the best way to support this podcast, if you want to support this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry, is by sharing it. You are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. With Restaurant Unstoppable, you can surround yourself with the best minds in the industry. So share this resource. Help somebody out. All right, guys, that's all for today. Until next time, peace out.